If you're watching online, just ignore the last couple of seconds. Uh, good morning. You're very welcome to First Strap Island this morning as we come to bring our worship to God. Friends, just one or two announcements before we commence our time before the Lord. Just to remind you that our, our mission continues. Our last evening is tonight at seven o'clock. Uh, please do plan to come along. We've been thinking about passages in the Gospel of Mark, and we think of that wonderful beginning that happened that first resurrection morning when Jesus in our flesh rose from the dead, and he is the guarantor that we too will rise and be fashioned like his resurrected body. That's for those whose faith is in him. The most crucial thing in life is to have a faith in the Lord Jesus. So mission tonight at seven o'clock, and then refreshments are served afterwards uh, in the church hall. So please do plan to come along, uh, invite someone, invite a family member, invite a neighbor. Uh, there'll be a warm welcome here, as you know, and uh, we look forward to our final evening together. Uh, Wednesday, uh, midweek uh, Bible study is in the church hall at eight o'clock. And the Girls' Brigade and Boys' Brigade meet on Thursday and Friday as usual. On Saturday 3rd of December, that's next Saturday, the men's group are planning on traveling to a Christmas tree festival entitled Ray of Hope. That's in Eglinton Presbyterian Church. Uh, this is an open invitation for all members of the congregation. The plan is to travel by bus meeting at the church at 6.45 in the evening. Uh, for more details, uh, speak with Mark Bronte or Trevor McConnell. Uh, and Sunday, the 11th of December, we have an evening of Christmas carols with the Commons Silver Band. That's at 7 o'clock. Uh, more details will follow next week. I trust uh, to be with us on that occasion. I've forgotten who the preacher is next Sunday, but you'll find out when you come. Um, I've been thinking about other things this week, and I forgot that. Uh, friends, we come to bring our worship to God. We sing together as we stand. Sing to God new songs of worship.
friends, we draw near to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, each time we seek to adopt the attitude of prayer, bowing our heads and closing our eyes. Lord, we are conscious of the great privilege we have that we, through Jesus, can speak to you, our Father. Help us always to prize this great gift. And so, Lord, we come as a people before you, In the precious name of our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we bow and as we focus upon you, we bless you for the many truths you have revealed about yourself. Truths that allow us to have a sense of security. You are the Creator, so we have a purpose. You are the sustainer, so we have present privileges. You are the Savior in your Son, therefore we have an eternal hope. Lord, you alone give life meaning, and every soul is restless until it finds its rest in you, O Lord. May that be our experience, one and all today. A true rest. A rest in Jesus. A rest that is full of activity in our minds and hearts and deep in the soul, in the lives that we live. And so, Lord, we bless your name. And we pray that by your Spirit you will help us to worship you well this morning. In the words we sing, in the prayers we offer, in our listening to your word as it's read, and as we think on its truth. Be pleased, O Lord, to allow us to engage in all these great things, that this might truly be the pinnacle of our week and that by which we are focused for the rest of this week. Lord, you teach us in your word that we're to confess our sins. We ask forgiveness for all that is wrong within us. For a cleansing in the blood of Jesus. Wash away our sins, we pray, O God. Renew a right spirit within us. Enable us to be stronger in times of temptation. Enable us to know victory in our lives as we walk before you. To our joy, but Lord, more to your glory. Be pleased to lead us in your way. 
Bless us morning and evening today. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Friends, we find our reading in the Gospel of John, just a short reading this morning. Um, We've been thinking last night about the cross of Jesus, and this morning I thought we would simply look at the uniqueness of Jesus' death, and in doing so, just to remind us of how wondrous it is that we might be called to partake in what that death has meant through faith. John chapter 15, and reading just three verses, 12 to 14. Jesus said, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Amen. We thank God for the truth of his word. The boys and girls will come up to the front. Um, We'll have a story. I'll come down to you this morning. If you haven't a seat just on a pew, you can sit down at the front here. Now, it's really good to see you this morning. And it's nice to get getting back to church the way it used to be when we could all gather and be sort of close together. Now, I have something in my pocket. Well, I've got several things. And I'm going to let you see just in a wee minute. Now... Jesus, long ago, on one occasion, was in the temple. Now, that was in Jerusalem. It was a big building where people came to worship God. And a very special place, there was an outer court, and everyone could go in there. And an inner court, and only the Jews could go in there. And a very special place where only one person could go in once a year. So it's quite an involved place. And in the temple there was a big wall. And on that big wall, there were like, like funnels made of, of metal, a bit like, like a trumpet. And they were all along the wall. 
And what people did was when they came to worship God, they brought their money. And they put their money into these big trumpets. And you can imagine what coins, they'd make a clatter. They didn't have any notes in those days, like five-pound note and ten-pound note. It was all coins. And so people would come and they'd put their coins in and make a bit of a clatter going down. But then there were some people who were very rich. And they liked to show how rich they were. But that wasn't a nice thing. And they came with maybe a big bag of money. And maybe someone of their services said, Oh look, here's so and so coming. Make way, make way. And the crowd would have parted. And a very rich person would have gone forward. And he would have opened up his bag of money. And he would have tossed it in. And be clatter, 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 clatter. And people would have been meant to have been impressed by how much money. But the thing was, the person who was very rich who came and did that and wanted to be seen, nothing wrong with giving money, but if you want to be seen for it, it's not a good thing. They had tons more money at home and it didn't really cost them anything. And while all this was happening that day, Jesus saw an old lady and she crept along, didn't want to be seen. And she went over to one of these little trumpets and she took out two coins. It was all she had. She had nothing left at home. And she put these two coins in and she slipped away because it was so little and she didn't want people to see. But she put everything in that she had. And when Jesus saw her, No one else really noticed her, but he said to his disciples, look, this woman who's crept up and put in her two coins, she's given everything that she has. Now that old lady, when she went home, she maybe had a little bit of bread, she maybe didn't, or a little bit of meal to make a little cake of bread or something, but she had no more money to buy anything and she would just be trusting in God somehow that she would just have enough day by day to live on the wonderful thing about that story is that Jesus notices everyone and he notices us we can be small we could be rich we could be poor we could be boys or girls or old people or young people Jesus notices us all, just as he noticed that woman. And the thing that he really looks for is the people who want to give him their all. Our hearts, our lives, that they'll count for God. And everyone can do that. We don't have to be rich or poor. We can give our all to Jesus just where we are every day. And from heaven he looks down and he's pleased with boys and girls who just want to give their all to him. Now, I've got loads of money, but I'm not going to have that for very much longer. Because I want you to go back, to, we'll have a wee prayer, then you'll go back to your seats and we'll sing your song and then you'll be able to go out to Sunday school. Now, can I trust and trust these to two people? Oh, there we go. <laughs> First hand and a girl. There you are. Now, don't you open those until you get out 
to Children's Church, and then there'll be one for everyone. And if there's one left or two left, you can give it to your teacher. All right. We'll have a wee prayer together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that long ago, Jesus noticed the old woman that very few would have noticed. And he knew that she wanted to give her all to God. We pray that you'll help us to give our all to God. Our hearts, our lives, day by day. We know, Lord, you look down from heaven to watch over us. And we want to be faithful to you. For your name's sake we pray. Amen. Off you go back to your seats. And we'll have your song.
We draw near to God as we remember others in our prayers today. Let us pray. Our Father, we bless you that in prayer you choose to accomplish your purposes in part. And you call us to pray not only to bring honor to your name, but to seek help and relief for others. Lord, we are conscious of how many times as people have prayed for us, we have been blessed and helped. And so we delight to pray for others. Lord, we remember places in your world where there is such anguish and torment and trouble. We think of the country of Ukraine and that ongoing malicious assault from Russia. We pray for those who are struggling in the major centers and in the villages, those without power, without a water source, those who are unsure of when the next bomb may come and how close it might be to them. For those whose charge it is to try to bring relief, the emergency services, the hospitals. We think of those whose job it is to seek to keep the country safe, the military personnel. We think of the leaders Lord, we pray your hand in grace as winter approaches and the temperature drops. May you in mercy grant enough warmth that those who need it may be able to survive. We pray, Lord, for an end to this conflict. We pray for a righteous end. We pray for the sovereignty of this nation. And already think of other countries in your world, Afghanistan, Syria, Somalia, the Sudan, Yemen, other places where there is such pain among the people, particularly young and old. We pray for all relief agencies as they seek to offer help and to minister to need. We pray that you will prosper their work, that you'll guide them, that those who need most will receive most help. We pray, O God, for the nations of the world, that there'll be an an honoring of the laws, but more than that, a turning to you, O God. We pray for our own nation in its godless helplessness, that you might come and breathe your breath, that there will be life, and that life will be shown forth in joy and peace, in patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, bless us here in this place. Be with those who are sick 
or anxious, those unable to get about terribly well, those worried for themselves or loved ones, those who are sorrowing, those in pain. Lord, we each have things that concern us in life just now. Help us to release those to you, O God. To know that in your mercy, you look upon those in love who come in faith. Let that be our experience in these days. And Lord, bless us this morning as we think on your word. Bless us this evening, the final night of our mission. Gather us in, O God, and gather others in this evening. We pray, Lord, that you'll be gracious and we'll know your goodness as we meet together. (coughs) Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. We stand and sing together, facing a task unfinished.
Friends, we come to a very unique and precious thing as we think about the death of Jesus. It is immeasurably unique. Sometimes when this passage is read, there is the focus on an earthly person giving his or her life for someone else. Dying in someone's place. We see that perhaps in the history of our own country. Where people have given their lives for the sake of others. And we rightly remember that supreme sacrifice. But here there is something infinitely greater that Jesus speaks about. He speaks about this greatest love. And this greatest love that he has for those he calls his friends. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Jesus here is speaking of the sacrifice that he is going to give. He's going to die for others. In the Gospel of John, friend had only been mentioned once to this point. And that was in John chapter 11 at verse 11, where Jesus called Lazarus his friend. Here from verse 13 on, we find in these few verses Friend is mentioned three times. Friendship is a wonderful word, isn't it? And we're all glad and thankful to God for the friends we have. And those friends who prove faithful to us. Friends who are always the same. No matter their circumstance in life, we know that they will be faithful to us. Whether they're happy, whether they're sad. Whether they're encouraged or discouraged, a good friend is one we know we can depend on. They will always be the same for us. In Luke chapter 7, verse 34, Jesus is called the friend of sinners. And on that occasion, it wasn't spoken by those who loved him. It was spoken by the Pharisees and they were complaining about Jesus and they called Jesus a drunkard and a glutton. Now, neither of those things were true, but they delighted to despise him and they said he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners in that same verse. Jesus wasn't a drunkard. He wasn't a glutton. But he was a friend of sinners. And what did it mean for Jesus to be the friend of sinners? The friend of people like us. Here we think about his death. His unique death. And the first thing we find about his death is that 
he didn't have to die. Each of us are born to die because we are born in sin. We are part of the sinful human race. And part of the consequences of sin infecting our human race is that we we get sick. We get infirm. And eventually we die. It is not a natural thing. It is an unnatural thing. Death has come into this world because of sin. Without sin, there would be no death. And that's why it hurts us. The separation between soul and body hurts us because it's unnatural. We cry because of death. But Jesus didn't have to die. The eternal son who came to earth in our flesh was perfect. He didn't have sin. So death had no hold on him. In fact, in John 1 verse 4, we read, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. He was life himself. And he brought life to us, the breathing out of the word. We are alive because Jesus is life. In John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, said Jesus. So a scripture like Hebrews 9, verse 27, did not apply to him. It is appointed to man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Every single person who lives is under that same scripture. We're appointed to die once. And after that, we come before God, the judge. The gospel is a glorious release. Because in Romans 8 verse 1, we can truly say there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. By repentance and faith, we come and find our peace with God through Jesus. And we are not condemned. Everyone will be judged. But those who belong to Jesus will not be condemned because he has taken our condemnation upon the cross. Jesus did not have to die. That makes his death unique. Not only did he not have to die, but he chose to die. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we read that Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He chose to die. A couple of years back in our uh, congregation in Scarva Street, on a Sunday evening, we had Firefighters for Christ. You may or may not have heard of that organization, but firefighters in the province who are Christians, they have a group uh, and they meet together for fellowship. 
and for witness. And one thing that, that struck me when they were there, and they related this to the Lord. They said that we risk our lives at times going into a burning building. But we never volunteer our lives. We don't intend to die. We intend to live. But we risk our lives. Jesus was uniquely different. He didn't risk his life. He volunteered his life. He chose to die. That makes his death wonderfully unique. He did not have to die because he was life in himself. He could have come to earth and lived and, and taught and healed and gone back to heaven. He did not have to die but he also chose to die. People risk their lives for others today, but their life's work is not undone if they survive. But Jesus' life work would have been undone if he hadn't died because he came to die for sinners. He didn't have to die, but he chose to die. The third thing about his death that makes it wonderfully unique is that he died for those who were not his friends. But he died for those who could become his friends. In Romans 5, verse 8, we read, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are sinners. We have nothing in us to make us attractive to God. There's nothing in us that would make God say, There's a person worthy of my son, worthy of his sacrifice. No, we're all sinners. We've all offended God. And our sin is an eternal offense against an eternal God. Its magnitude is beyond our fathoming. But yet, despite what we are, Jesus died for those who were his enemies, not his friends, that he could make us the friends of God. Jesus' death was unique. Because he did not have to die. And because he chose to die. And because he died for those who were not his friends. So that they might become his friends. The last thing. Jesus' death is life-giving. In this world, when someone gives his life for someone else, maybe in a fire, maybe on the battlefield, 
trying to rescue or help. It doesn't give life. It just allows the person they rescue to live a little bit longer in this world. But it doesn't give life. It doesn't prevent death. It doesn't deal with sin or deal with the judgment of God. But Jesus' death gives life. In his life on earth, he was perfect before his father. So the life he lived was a a credible life, a life that honored God, a life that we ought to live but cannot live. We're sinners. And in his death, because of his eternal worth as the eternal son, he could deal with our eternal debt that debt that we owe God because of our sin. And when Jesus died, that debt can be just washed away from us. It's no more. And that's why the gospel is so essential and precious. This is not something that is automatically a person's possession. We are taught very clearly, repent and believe. Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the very first thing that Jesus spoke, repent and believe the good news because the kingdom of God is near. He had come. He'd come to buy us for God, to pay the price. And every person needs to repent, to turn away from their sin. Every person needs to believe, to believe that Jesus alone is the Savior they need. And simply to trust him. Of course, for a person to do that, they have to be humbled right down to the dust. I picture it as a person lying on their face before God. A proud person will never turn away from sin. A proud person will never ask Jesus to save them. It's only when we are humble and we see our great need that we get on our face, as it were, before God and say, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I turn from my sin and I I trust in you alone. Jesus' death was unique. He didn't have to die. But he chose to die. And he chose to die for those who were not his friends that they might become his friends. And he died to give life. Life eternal. How do we respond to this? Jesus tells us very simply and yet very powerfully. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. 
he has done this to the infinite degree. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command. That command begins with repentance and belief. And that command continues with a life pledge to him. I remember saying to my own folk in Scarva Street one Sunday morning, if everyone was like you, next Sunday, this church building will be filled or empty. It'll either be filled for me to preach to a full building or I'll be here on my own. Do you see that? If everyone in First Rafter Island was like you, tonight or next Sunday or any Sunday, this place will either be filled because you're here and everyone's like you, or you're not here and everyone's like you. The way we respond to this truth surely is this, Lord, I want to be the most faithful person in First Rafter Island. I want to be the most committed person in First Rafter Island. I want to serve more than anyone else in First Rafter Island. I want to pray more than anyone else. I want to study your word more than anyone else. I want to be the best that I can be for you. I want to be the most faithful person in First Rafter Island. You see, that's, that's how we respond to this word. We come to Jesus and we say to him, Lord, you did not have to die. Lord, you chose to die. And Lord, you chose to die for me, a person who wasn't your friend to make me your friend. And you chose to die for me to give me life. Life not only here, but life for all eternity. Where no one will be sick where no one will be sad, where no one will be troubled, where no one will be anxious, where no one will be in darkness, where no one will be in pain, where everyone will experience the light of your glory for all eternity. And so I'm taking this command and I will seek to do what you ask of me. Can that be our response this morning? Jesus has given us infinitely more than we could ever imagine or hope for. And in our finite frailty, we can give our all to him. Let's pray together. Father, we bless you 
for truths in your word that are wondrous and astounding. We bless you for the uniqueness of the death of your son upon earth. He did not have to die, but yet he chose to die. He chose to die for those who were not his friends, that they could become his friend. And he chose to die that death that would bring eternal life to those who love him. Lord, let that be our experience. And let that be seen in our desire to be faithful, to honor you, to rejoice in you. Let our very faces display something of a radiance. Our words, our ways. Let all bring honor to this Jesus. For his name's sake we pray. Amen. Friends, our closing praise reflect something of this. The Lord is my salvation. We stand to sing.
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and evermore. Amen.